You're listening to The Vine Podcast, episode number 68. Having the right call to action can be the key to growing your email list, increasing your page views, and pretty much every other goal that you may have for your blog. First, you need to understand how a call to action should work on your blog, and then you can experiment with these 11 ideas for calls to action on your blog. Hey friend, I'm Madison Wetherill, a web designer and branding strategist for food bloggers and your host for the Vine podcast. This show is all about supporting you as a food blogger as you grow your business. I'll share tips for designing your business and your website with intention so that you can build a blog that fits into your life, not consumes it. You'll hear tips for connecting with your audience, growing your blog, and tips for managing and designing your website, all in short, easy to consume and actionable episodes. If you're ready to think differently about the strategies and tactics that you need to grow your food blog, you are in the right place. I'm so excited that you're here, friend. Let's get started. Welcome back to another episode, friends, and I am really excited to dive into this topic of call to action ideas for your blog post. But before we get started, I just want to welcome you if this is your very first time listening to the podcast. I have had so many people following me over on Instagram from just different opportunities that I've had to get in front of a new audience. And so I know a lot of you may be listening to the podcast this week for the first time. If we have never met before, my name is Madison Wetherill and I am a web designer for food bloggers. My business is called Great and Vine Studios, and I have been doing this full-time for almost six years now. This year, we are serving our clients in just a couple of different ways. The first is through brand strategy and logo design. The second is through custom website design. And the third is our designer for a day package, which is essentially a package where we have six hours to work together. And during that time, we're really able to go through the list of things that you've had on the back burner to fix on your blog. Maybe you have used some band-aids or some extra plugins to fix certain things. And so it really gives me the opportunity to pop into your blog to fix up some things that have been broken or that maybe don't look the way that you want them to and really give you a fresh overhaul on your existing theme with your existing branding, but just to give it a fresh look. This has been one of my favorite ways to work with clients who just need a little bit of help and they need it faster than a six to eight month waiting list. And so I have really loved working with these type of clients. And so if you're ever interested in learning more about these different packages and getting more information about getting on our schedule, you can head over to graceandvinestudios.com and click on the services tab to see all the different ways we work with food bloggers. Another thing on that note that I am really excited about is we have just brought on a new project manager and I am really hoping that having Annabella on our team is really going to help us to increase capacity to work with more clients at a time, but also to be able to continue to provide an excellent level of service, which we have really been striving to provide over the last year. I've spent a lot of time refining my process and really getting my process down to the essential things that we need to do for our clients in order to provide a great experience, a beautiful, end product and just making sure that the client feels loved and supported along the way. And so I'm really excited to have another team member on board to help us do just that. Okay, guys, so this podcast episode, I'm going to have a lot of ideas that I'm going to be throwing at you, and I really want to encourage you to check out the blog post that goes with this podcast episode. If you don't know, we have a 
podcast blog post slash transcript that we have every single week that will let you read through this content. And it's a really great way to revisit this when you're ready to sit down and do the work. I know a lot of you love to listen to the podcast while you're walking or while you're clearing off snow off of your driveway, like Lori from Josie Anita did last week. I loved seeing her sharing that on Instagram. And so if you are not at a place where you can sit and write down some notes from this episode, just know that you can come back to that blog post later and be able to see all of these ideas written out for you. So let's dive in. What is the purpose of a call to action? A call to action really turns your reader from a content consumer to an active participant. Now, this is something that we have to train our audiences to do. Unfortunately, social media has made most of us really lazy when it comes to consuming content. Think about it, even things like swipe up is too much effort for the average consumer. And so a call to action is really an incentive and a reminder for your readers to take action. And it really is a really simple step for them to take to be able to go from just being an inactive participant, just kind of browsing your blog to the next level, which is really becoming a part of your audience not just an innocent reader who might have just stumbled across your blog post. We want to first start by thinking about your reader's journey. Now, it is so important to think about your reader's experience on your website. And if you have a call to action too early, it's not going to make sense in the context of their journey. So let's talk about pop-ups for just a second. I know that everybody has a love-hate relationship with pop-ups because yes, they are effective, but they can also be very annoying. We've all been on a website that has a pop-up in basically negative five seconds of being on the website. And when this happened, your brain immediately says, what is going on? What is this? I was not looking for this pop-up. And your reaction is either to close the pop-up or to hit the back button completely off of that site. And so I want you to think about how your readers are ending up on your website. They might have clicked over from Pinterest or from Google, and so they likely have very little recognition of your brand. There's a slight chance that maybe they recognize your website or your brand name or the style of pins that you make, but most of them are not going to know your brand very well, and they're certainly not going to trust your brand yet. And so immediately asking them to give you something like their email address before you have given them any reason to trust you is just not going to be very effective long term. You might get people to sign up, but you're going to have those same people unsubscribe after they get the freebie, or when they don't open 10 of your emails, they're just going to be clogging up your email list. And so we really want to remember that your reader is looking for one thing. That one thing is your recipe card. They are either going to scroll right through all of your content to find that recipe card, or they're going to use the jump to recipe button to get to it even more quickly. However, that does not mean that these call to actions are not effective. There is a lot of tactics that you can use to make these call to actions really effective for the right people. These specific calls to action buttons or sections are not going to be for the average reader who has no interest in being a long-term reader of your blog. And that is totally okay. What we're really trying to do with these specific calls to action is that we're trying to capture the people who are ready to take that next tiny little step towards being a part of your audience. So there are really two different types of call to action that we're going to talk about today, and those are internal and external. So what I mean by internal is calls to action where you are sending people deeper into your website. So these aren't always thought of as a call to action button, but they really are because you're asking someone to take an action and to ultimately dive deeper into your brand and to experiencing your website. 
So the very first one for internal call to action is related blog posts. So this can really be two different ways that you present other blog posts within a blog post. The text in your blog posts could be linking to other content, or you could also be showing related blog posts in a section after your blog post, either with visual images or linking to them with different plugins and things like that. So visually, this can be done in a handful of ways, including plugins like Slickstream, Content Views, Grow.me, and other ones like that. Now, my favorite way to do this is actually by using Gutenberg Blocks. Now, if you haven't heard of Gutenberg, it is the native WordPress editor that came out a few years ago, but will be completely replacing the classic editor by 2022. And if you are not using Gutenberg yet, I am so excited to share that I am launching a course on March 1st of 2021. The Simplify with Gutenberg course will be available and I'm just so excited to get more people into this course. I did a small launch of this course after the Food Blogger Summit last year and there were 40 students who signed up and who have gone through it. And I have gotten a ton of great feedback on this course. I'm going to be making a couple of small changes to some of the modules to make them more clear. But overall, I've gotten a lot of really great feedback from people who were not at all using Gutenberg when they started the course and who are now feeling confident to use it after they have finished. So if you would like to sign up for the waiting list so that you'll be the first to know when this course is ready to sign up, you can go to graceandvinestudios.com simplify and that link will be in the show notes for you to sign up for the wait list as well. But Basically, with related posts, a really great way to do this is by using a reusable Gutenberg block so that you can have a template for this and reuse it in every blog post. But the reason I like making this something that you are controlling is because it makes a lot more sense for you to choose which four to five posts you want to recommend a reader take the next step to continue reading rather than a plugin automatically generating this. A lot of the plugins have gotten a lot more advanced over the years, so it's not as random as it used to be with related post plugins, but I still think ultimately you know your brand the best and you are going to be able to pick the next most logical step for your reader after they make one recipe of yours, which recipe should they make next in order to help them along on their journey. The next internal call to action that we're gonna talk about is linking to internal pages. So there's a couple of pages that people may spend a lot of time designing or planning out, but are rarely promoted within their blog at all. And so these are their about pages, category pages, and your recipe index. Now I have two episodes that I've done in the past about how to design your about page and how to customize your recipe index. So definitely go back and listen to those if you haven't yet. But these pages are really great ways for someone to get an idea of what your brand is all about. But like I said, I rarely see people actually talking about them and promoting them within your blog posts. So again, you can create a reusable block or add a call to action after your blog post to highlight things like your recipe index or your about page or to highlight category pages within the text of your blog posts. Next up is leaving a comment or rating on your recipe. Now this became really popular when certain recipe cards built this in to their plugin. You may have seen it in some of the recipe cards where there's a colored block at the bottom of a recipe card that says, did you like this recipe? Leave a comment below. Things like that are really great ways for people to know that that's what you want them to do. But you can also do this within the blog post itself or adding this as a widget area under a blog post to really help reinforce that this is what you want your readers to do. The last 
internal call to action that we have to talk about is purchasing a digital product. Now this may not be relevant to you if you don't have a digital product, but it's something that I want you to be aware of so that if you ever do have a digital or physical product down the road, you can know that this is a great way to highlight that within your blog post. So this could technically be an external promotion depending on where you are actually hosting that digital product, but I left it in here just because it makes sense within the context of the other things that we have been talking about. If you have a digital product that you are selling on your website, it is a great idea to highlight this within your blog post in different sections, especially if it is something like a cookbook or something that would enhance the experience of someone making your recipes like a course I think this is probably most effective if you do it in a way that is kind of visual and that you repeat in most, if not all, of your blog posts, simply because your reader is most likely going to need to see something multiple times before they will actually buy it from you. And so you want to make this a regular part of your blog post content and the blog post outline that you use every single time. Now the external call to action ideas are a little bit easier to wrap our heads around because they're the ones that we see a lot more often and these are the most commonly used ones with things like plugins or pop-ups, things like that. And so these external calls to action are going to be something where you are wanting someone to do something outside of your blog. So some examples of these are to follow you on social media, join your email list, or download a freebie pin a blog post for later, or to share on social media. And so in all of these examples, you're really sending someone away from your blog to do something else, which is not a bad thing at all, but I think the reason I separated these two is because the external ones are so often used, but we don't think about the fact that we're really sending someone away from our blog instead of helping them to dive deeper into our blog to really become more of an audience member and to really figure out more about what your blog is all about. So when we're thinking about these different calls to action, it's really important to note that you aren't going to want to use all 11 of these ideas on every single blog post, but there are some that might show up on every blog post. And after this episode, I would really encourage you to think about which one stood out the most to you in this episode, and then choose two or three of those that you can implement into your blog post going forward. Or if you have more than two that you want to use, maybe choose four or five and then alternate which ones you use in blog posts as it's relevant. And you can also put these call to actions into areas of your blog that will be seen on all blog posts. So there's many areas on every website that are on every single blog post or are going to show up in every page. And so some of the examples for that are your sidebar, putting them after your blog posts in your footer, or putting them throughout your blog posts, which obviously is just a single blog post that you would be adding that to. But that can be really effective, especially for ones that are going to repeat over and over. Like I mentioned earlier with the digital product, some of these calls to action are going to take some repetition for people to actually use them, especially if it's something like signing up for a freebie or downloading something or giving them something like their email address. They're going to need to see that a few times before they're going to do it. Whereas things like hopping to another blog post or hopping to a recipe index are going to be a little bit easier for people to more easily take action on. And so when we're talking about these calls to action, how do we make them stand out? With these ideas, you really are trying to stop your reader from scrolling to your recipe card. They are in a scroll habit and you really want to stop them in their tracks and get them to take action. 
I have found that the best way to do this is really to break up the pattern that they're used to seeing within your blog post, which is text, photo, some more text, and maybe some ads sprinkled in. So you really want to break up the monotony of that by giving them something that is going to stand out and look different. It's going to get their attention, even if they are using a jump to recipe button, they're going to scroll past something that looks different and chances are they'll stop or go back up to see what it was. So you can do things like using colored backgrounds, using larger fonts or different fonts, similar to how you use a heading in your blog post to get someone to be able to browse through and scroll through your post. Using larger font or different font will help with that as well. And then you can just style it in different ways than your regular text. And again, we're really trying to get it to look different and to stand out from the regular text. That could be with using different icons or different images if you're doing something like a digital product or even a recipe index. Using button styles to make things pop and stand out against the white background of your website. Now this used to be so much more difficult to do with the classic editor, but again, Gutenberg has made this so much easier. And this is one of the biggest reasons that I wanted to make my Simplify with Gutenberg course, because this is such a powerful tool that will help you really stop your readers in their scroll and get them to take action and dive deeper into your site. And as a reminder, you can find the waitlist link to sign up for that over at graceandvinestudios.com simplify or in the show notes itself. I really think that this is going to be a really easy way for you to be able to implement different calls to action like this in all of your blog posts. And that is why I'm so excited to open up this course in a few weeks. Now, like I mentioned before, I don't want you to run and implement all 11 of these ideas, but what I wanted you to really see is that there are so many ways that you can encourage your reader to take action. There is kind of a limiting history of what food bloggers have done with different calls to action. And I really wanted to show you how many different possibilities there are for really helping your reader to take that next step. This is really the way for them to become more a part of your audience and for them to take another step on their reader journey. I really hope that you enjoyed this episode and I would love to see which of these calls to action you are going to implement. I would love to see you either share that on Instagram with me over at Grace and Vine or just message me there or you can always reply to my emails as well. I just love to see how you guys are taking action and it is always so encouraging to me to see how much you guys are loving this episode. So until next week, friends, I will talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, I would love for you to screenshot it and share it with a friend. You can tag me on Instagram stories at Grace and Vine. For the show notes for this episode, head to thevinepodcast.com. Talk soon.